Hello, I'm Michael H. Seabury, host of Artroverted, a podcast about the art world. Each week, I speak with leaders and changemakers in the arts, from artists to museum directors and everyone in between. We discuss their experiences, the communities they serve, and why they've dedicated their lives to art. Welcome to our season finale of Artroverted. Today, we're featuring two guests, Tamara Johnson and Trey Burns, artists and co-founders of Sweet Pass Sculpture Park, a one-acre lot in the rapidly gentrifying neighborhood of West Dallas that exhibits emerging and mid-career artists in an outdoor setting on a rotating basis. In our conversation, we talk about their artistic practice, how they've realized their dream to show artists' work in a non-traditional and virtually pandemic-proof venue, and how we live in the age of goo. This episode was recorded on October 30th, 2020. Without further ado, let's jump in. Both on the podcast today, the second one recorded in studio and the second one with two people. Wow. Uh, So it's crazy because my format is long form, one person Mm -hmm. and... I don't think I've ever seen you without a mask on. Yeah, (laughs) likewise, likewise. So how long did you wear your braces? I never had what? braces. Just perfect nope. teeth? Just Nope. You know, my dad had headgear for 13 years and his dad was an endodontist. Uh-huh. Yeah. Long story. My mom had them for six weeks. I think it was because the orthodontist wanted vacation money or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, college money for, but you money just for the kids, you know, or something. Had but good teeth. Never, never needed it. Yeah. So it's nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Did yeah. you all have braces? No. Forever? No. No. No braces. Yeah. My, my brother and sister did. I probably should have, but... My, were too broke at that time. <laughs> so, I always wanted to be a sorry. dentist who would like craft your teeth to match your personality. So like maybe not necessarily perfectly straight, but like oh. just, you know, to reflect, yeah. you know, but I was like, no, one wants to pay for that. Yeah. That's what happened to my mom. Actually, she's got this little gap and apparently mm-hmm. there was some figure skater or movie star or something at the time that had a little gap and the dentist was like, Oh, we're going to leave it. Cause you're going to be just like, you yeah. know, so-and-so yeah, yeah. and, but still charge you for <laughs> six weeks of braces <laughs> <laughs> built in, yeah. you know, characteristics. Um, you know, Tamara was almost a, a dentist. Well, you know, I just had an oral fixation from a young age. <laughs> <laughs> But I wanted to be like in first grade, I was like, I will be a dentist. This, I loved going to the dentist. It was just like, I saw myself on this career path and, um, you know, I don't know. I was very serious about it, but I did you a lot of sculptures teeth. about. You casted teeth for a while, didn't you? So right? many teeth sculptures in yeah. undergrad. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I was like casting the insides of people's mouths you know, and well, you worked at a dentist. Yeah. Yeah. After, after I graduated from UT in Austin, um, I worked at an orthodontist office and made all the retainers. So, you know, bending all the wire and making the acrylic forms. And at that time they had just kind of started doing those clear, um, kind of vacuum formed retainers. So I was making those. Um, but it was a really weird place because it was like the one, male doctor and then like all these young ladies and um it was strange it was a strange workplace so that was kind of your first exposure to goo yes one of your first one of your one of your inspirations lots of goo because I also kind of would get because I worked in the lab but I would get brought out to help put you know, braces on kids or take molds or whatever. And every time you take a mold, I mean, not every time, but eight times out of 10, you take a mold of a kid's teeth, they they gag and sometimes barf. 
because it's just like a lot of stuff in your mouth at once. And uh, so that was, you know, a lot of barfing, gagging. So is is that why you left the the dental profession? I think I left because I didn't want to, I had to be there every day at 6 a.m. And I was like, this is really interfering with my partying. (laughs) I was living in Austin at the time and was like, I need to be staying, you know, I would just like stay up till 4 a.m. and then put my scrubs on and go to work. And I just was like, maybe that's why the kids were gagging because your aim wasn't that great. (laughs) Or I smelled like vodka. Maybe I don't know. (laughs) So yeah, I just was young and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Was that before you went to RISD or Mm -hmm. after? Yeah, that was like right after I graduated from UT. So I was like 23 or something. And then I thought I was wanted to make fake eyeballs for a while. That was way too gooey. That was way way too gooey. Yeah. Cause you have to like put your hands in people's like eye sockets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I have a friend who's an ocularist and um, she came to uh, your opening. Oh really? And she was talking with Allison and um, you know, it's, it's funny. Everyone's like, what do you do? And she's like, Oh, I'm an ocularist. And you know, obviously Allison was, you know, took the bait. And then she was like, yeah, well, Tamara actually, you know, trained to be an ocularist. And that was going to be one of my kind of like secret questions to throw you off. Be like, so. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was. You have secret questions? No. Well, kind of. (laughs) No. Yes. I love secret questions. (laughs) But yeah. So, you know, I was going to study with this guy in Houston who was kind of like a very well-known ocularist. And he was like, you have to sign this contract for like, five years and you know, you have to train with me and I'm going to teach you all my secrets and skills and you can't do anything else. And I was like, also 23, 24 and like, was like, this doesn't feel, I'm not ready for this. I needed some wild, wild years. And then also too, I sat in on some of those appointments where they're fitting the eyeballs. And I mean, you are really in people's like no eyeball muscle sockets and it's it's pretty gross yeah and i have a weak you know i have a weak s- stomach so so how did you decide that you wanted to become an artist or how did you get into the arts in the first place i mean i was always doing it i think trey too like we just kind of did it as kids but um and my mom was like very supportive she was kind of like whatever we wanted to do like do you want to dance do you want to sports do you want to crawl do you want to whatever, you know? And so she kind of just let us, you know, supported whatever we wanted to do. So I just always, I had always done it. And when I went to UT, I was like, well, I guess, you know, I'll get, I'll be an artist. I don't know. I didn't know like what that meant or how to have that be something that was a career. We had like both, I remember in this conversation, we both had like formative experiences taking like painting classes with Mm -hmm. older women. Yes. Yes. And I had that, I took a Claude Monet like painting course when I was like, I don't know, like seven or something. Yeah. And I was like, just making the, the fuzzy flowers or whatever. And she's like, you're very good. She's like, a really good painter. This is, this is my path. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you started. She's like, copy this Monet painting. Yeah. You know, and. Yeah, I did that as well. But you had like the lady in the mall. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. lady in the mall, Martha McKinney. She had a um, the lady in the mall. Yeah. Well, she was an artist, but she had a gallery um, that represented her in the mall, the Richland mall in Waco where I grew up. Which and is not a, a sprawling 
metropolis small, right? No, at the time it was small and, you know, you know, probably built in the seventies or so very low ceilings and like brown tile floors. And she sold her paintings, which were mainly still lifes in this, um, you know, fine art gallery. So when she taught art lessons, you know, she just said go out into the gallery and choose one of my paintings and then copy it. <laughs> the master copy. Yeah. So I was just copying her like, you know, Lance, her your blue bonnet landscapes and her rose uh, still lifes. And, you know, it was just very much for me. It was like, well, if you can copy this well, then that means, you know, you can be an artist like Martha McKinney and sell your paintings yeah. in the gallery. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I just always knew that I wanted to do it. I mean, I think my dad was always like, you know, what are you going to do? This is not a career. Like <laughs> you're going to do, um, Portraits at Six Flags. You yeah, know, he thought isn't... you were going to be a caricature artist. <laughs> yeah, because there wasn't an example of like, and here's someone who is a living artist. Yeah. You know, uh, so I think it was a little bit hard hard to grasp for my family, but I kind of just was like, well, this is what I'll do and I'll figure it out. And what about you, Trey? Uh, with the art yeah. stuff? I Yeah, like I said, I took that painting class. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was always, I've always been very obsessed with the, uh, with cameras and video cameras. Like my grandfather had like a, one of those huge VHS things. And I thought that, that I could go and, you know, film a TV show and then put it on the TV for everybody to watch afterwards was the coolest thing in the world. So I definitely uh, had that from an early age. Yeah. Did you want to work in TV or? I just always, you know, I always want, like my hack in high school was like, okay, can my final project be a video? Like, oh, yeah. can I just make a video and not do the paper? And I would always pitch that, you know, sometimes they would go for it. Yeah. I tried I to just, do that in college too. Like yeah. what about an extra credit, uh, art project for my finance class? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't really work in college, but <laughs> that's funny. And yeah. then you, cause you went to SCAD, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Was that for undergrad or was that your MFA? That was my MFA. Yeah. I did, um, I did my undergrad at this small school called Limestone, uh, where I got a, a soccer scholarship and I was like, um, just going to go for like two years, pay for some college and transfer. But then I had a girlfriend <laughs> and then I had uh, a really good, uh, uh, like, um, art teacher there. He was like amazing, like old school. Like he was, you know, making us make our own rabbit skin glue to stretch our canvases and mix our own wow. pigments. Like, he was like a kind of a Renaissance man. He made like instruments and, and stuff. He was just like very fascinating and a good teacher. And so he was like, you know, stick around. We'll just do this for two more years. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So that's really when I got into saying like, oh, I'm going to do a degree in art. Cause I just, I did, I didn't really know when I was got, I first got to college, like what I wanted to do. Uh, I had some ideas, but yeah. The shortly after we moved in together, we started, thinking about, um, sweet pass. And we like, we're on the subway one day. It's like, oh, what if we did like, I think we were both hung over. I was just like, what if we had a ranch like where we could just put sculpture, you know, it was like sculpture ranch. And we started a doc that kind of laid out the, like this idea, you know, this kind of like dream for something. And then just kept kind of filling it in as time went on and it became more and more serious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it was and you know, when you start saying things out loud, it's like, I don't know. It's almost like you feel accountable to your own ideas. 
in a way. And we kind of felt that way. Like, shit, yeah. we got to do, we can't just talk about this. Like it's out there. It felt like it had so much weight to it just yeah. by like saying sculpture ranch or like Trey had said, it's, it's maybe it could be like Socrates of the South, which Socrates sculpture park is a place where I had done a project when I first got to New York. So it was like, it was like, we just had already made it um, in our minds. So it was yeah. like, we had to, we had to see it out to uh, completion in whatever form that was. So we were kind of making our plans to leave New York and um, Trey was ready to go maybe a little bit before I was, I was like, I told you this is pattern. I was like, I got to get out. of Yeah. 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 And I was like, wait, I, you know, cause I was never like, I got to get to New York. I, I, you know, want you know, cause it's hard to live there. It's hard to live there yes. and have a studio and an apartment yes. and a job and energy and time. And, and it's really the winter is oh, the, the moment where you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> I hate, I hate it here. Yeah. 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 And, um, but I was, I really wanted to complete one more project that I had kind of been in the works for a couple of years with the, um, New York city parks and rec department. And I finally kind of got a grant to complete it. And I said, well, after this project, I'll end on a high note, do this project. And then, you know, we can go. And it felt like there were a lot of things kind of naturally coming to a closure, like my studio building, you know, was about to be, um, you know, they were kind of kicking everybody out. You know, our lease was coming to an end. I was ready to leave, um, you know, my, the place where I was working just cause I had been there for six years and was ready to kind of move on to something else. So it was like all these things kind of felt like a natural, like, okay, go move on to your next chapter. Um, so we headed out of New York, I guess it was, uh, September, no, August, 2018. So you would primarily been working in sculpture, mm -hmm. right? And you were working for a sculptor mm -hmm. too, correct? Yeah. Uh, Robert Gober studio. Um, I got a job, a temp position working there pretty soon into ever heard of him. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's, I mean, he's an incredible artist. Um, yeah. but he's very behind the scenes. So he's a lot of people aren't super familiar with him, but know of his work, but might not recognize his name maybe, but he's an incredible artist and he needed some temp work. Um, and I think I got that position maybe like three or four weeks after when I moved to New York. Um, and I just tried to make myself very, um, you know, valuable and, and disposable. And I worked there the whole time I lived in New York. So it was wonderful. Um, and so, yeah, I had my, I had various studios, but kind of landed, at the best situation, studio situation in the Navy yard, mm, um, yeah. really big space that I shared with a friend from RISD and was able to, you know, I mean, my goal in New York was just like how many things, how many projects can I do while I'm here? I really tried to look at it as, um, almost like a residency when I was six year residency, yeah, the New York residency. I <laughs> yeah. love that. I love that. Cause it was like, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to live there forever. Yeah. I was like, I'm not a lifer here. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, always trying to be mindful of like, I'm here to, you know, push my career and make sculpture and try to get as many opportunities as I can. And you're pretty successful. Yeah. 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 I did quite a few things. Yeah. I mean, you always want more, you know, but I did quite a few. I was looking through uh, through some of the work that you did there in Wandering Yard. Yes. It was one of the really cool Mormons pieces. <laughs> it was like a piece of sod on top of a remote control yes. mm -hmm. yeah, car. Yeah. 
my friend Claudia Batron helped me film that. And that was, I think I made that, um, I was working on a sculpture that was, had a really long, arduous process making and mold making process. So that video was like, and I'll do this sometimes if, if I'm working and the process is kind of like very long, um, I'll do something really quick to kind of satisfy like a fast paced, um, desire. And I just saw myself as this like little piece of sod, you know? Um, and I was looking a lot at different types of grasses and the grasses that were growing in the South versus the North and different ways to purchase sod, you know, in New York, it kind of comes in a roll, like a little Debbie's cake roll. Uh, and in the South, it comes in these like rectangle squares. Um, and I was like, well, I'm just going to make myself like a little piece of sod. And I, I filmed Claudia helped me film that from my studio to our apartment where we were, um, roommates together. It's kind of funny to see the reactions of the New Yorkers, you know, because when you're walking down the street in New York, you never know what you're going to see. Yeah, and, people, and you get so jaded. But I'm sure seeing a piece of sod run around um, like magic was. Some people totally ignored it. Like yeah. one part, like a girl, she's like walking and then just like lifts her leg up and like it goes underneath her leg and doesn't yeah. even flinch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then a couple other people have like really. Uh, crazy reactions. And then you ended up driving that sod all the way back to Dallas. But I, I wonder for you, why sculpture tray? I mean, you've been working, you you call yourself a lens yeah. based artist where you're primarily focused on that. What well, I mean, I love outdoor stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's really, but I also like and make sculpture as well. Um, but I, I just think like we both kind of like this idea of, outdoor cats is what we kind of called it. It's like these sculptures that lived outside. And I liked the format when I was in Los Angeles, I'd saw, I saw some shows where people had done things outdoors and I was like, this is awesome. Why don't we do this more? Why does it always have to be inside under terrible lights? You're like, why can't we just, right. You know, do that. So I don't know. I was very attracted to that. And, um, you know, I love, I love sculpture gardens like storm King and Socrates are like some of my favorite spaces to go. So, I don't know. That's why sculpture. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, that, 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 that makes sense. And, yeah. um, and the dream of having your own space, I think for everyone who, who yeah. works with art is, is really exciting. So, but, uh, so then you, you moved back to Dallas and then how did Sweet Pass happen? Uh, it was pretty fast. You know, we yeah. had, like we said, we had kind of been mulling the idea over and kind of developing it. And when we got here, I reconnected with a couple of friends who I'd gone to RISD with and they um, kind of linked us up with a guy who had some properties, kind of like we were looking for like a live workspace. Which we doesn't kind of, exist. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't. really, it was like, a, it, yeah. <laughs> Not a thing. But there, you know, there in West Dallas, there were kind of these like empty buildings that some of them had kind of been yeah. reformatted for artist studios. So we were looking, just kind of getting like a weird little tour of this zone and drove past the lot where we have uh, Sweet Pass now. And we were intrigued because it was like kind of raw, you know, overgrown green, but then there was like a gate around it. And we were like, that could be a perfect place to kind of get our idea started and we just said, Hey, can we utilize that space? And I think it had been maybe like a, um, land, like a trash. It was like an illegal, there was like a mechanic truck mechanic shop. That was where Exovo is. And it, it, it was a dump for them. They would just mm -hmm. put all the car parts 
in this uh, thing. And then later when that's that house that was next door was called um, platform and they, they would use that as the parking lot for like their parties and stuff. And so it just like accumulated all this trash. Like when we were cleaning it out, we just, we like still find car parts that well up from the ground. Mm-hmm. The lawnmower finds like everything. It's crazy. And it doesn't matter how many times we clean it. We'll come back on. I'll be like, where did this brake drum come <laughs> yeah. from? Like right here in the middle of the grass. Like it doesn't make yeah. sense. You'll be raking and it's just like a bra. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> just like Definitely. the weirdest yeah. stuff. The weirdest stuff. Yeah. We did find, I think the best thing we found um, is a Blockbuster membership card from like 1998. Yeah. We saved that. Save that one. But most of it, you know, so we saw it and, you know, got a lease on it because it wasn't being used for anything. And we left it pretty raw. We didn't, we cleared some underbrush a little bit to kind of make room for stuff. And we were excited. We were like, okay, great. Now I have the space. And then we met this guy named Jerry who was like, you guys should be part of the art walk West. Yeah. We were like, okay, cool. What is that? And how do we get on? How do we do it? And he's like, I'll put you on the list. It opens in 20 days. Yeah. Wow. And that was, you know, so we're like, we got to put a show together <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in 20 days. Okay. So cool. that it was just like, it happened really fast that way. And so we reached out to some friends, you know, some of my contacts that I had in um, Texas prior from past, you know, school and, and some of our friends in New York and kind of put together a little, our first group show and yeah, in like 20, 20, 25 days. And it was like, phew, that was it. It was started. Because the space is really interesting. It's a one acre lot in West Dallas, which is rapidly being Mm -hmm. gentrified. And there's not really good roads over there either. And that that mechanic shop was, uh, prior to being what it is now, Exobo, was Erin Cluley Gallery. I feel Mm -hmm. like she kind of put that place on the map. People started taking notice. Yeah, she was out there, I think had been out there for maybe six or seven years or so. So she left because of the roads. Yeah. (laughs) Well, those collectors were like, I'm not driving my Maserati over here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, when it rains, you have to like forge a lake, Yeah. you know, and every time I'm like, our car's not going to make it. It's like Oregon Trail. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But so it gets, and it, you feel like you're not supposed to be driving back there. Like it doesn't, there's not, it just feels like where am I? Well, so. I remember the first time we took your mom back there. She was like, oh no, there is graffiti. <laughs> this might be some gang activity. We're like, no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it looks, it looks a lot rougher than it actually is. I'll say that. Yeah. But so where did the name come from? It just kind of came. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were just thinking about like ideas and names for places and we'd watched, um, a lot of movies and we were watching true stories, which is, um, David Burns film about like North Texas. Have and you it, seen it, Michael? Oh, I recommend. Gotta see it. Recommend. Yeah. Uh, screen it at the park. It's we have. <laughs> yeah, we have. We should do it again though. Yeah, it's yeah. It should uh, just be it should be yeah. monthly. He was talking about overpasses, I think, being like the cathedrals of our time, kind of in a his David Byrne way. Mm-hmm. And then like pass came in and then like we were kind of thinking about that as like a mountain pass, like a, a sweet pass, like a Shangri-La space, you know. And that kind of hidden valley thing that, you know, that it kind of has, you have to know it's there to go find it. Like you're not going to just like drive by it. So we kind of took that. And like, we also Googled <laughs> sweet pass Dallas. And it was just like, the only thing you'd see is like sweet pass Tony Romo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a video. <laughs> and Like we could get all the Gmails and all the domains. Yeah, like yeah. it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a thing that we would have to kind of like fight to it, get. So yeah. it was like, well, 
sure, let's go. And Trey made a logo and, you know, and also too, we were, you know, thinking about moving from New York to Texas in this like passage of geography, like physical space, but also to, you know, I don't know, passing into this new phase of our lives. Um, And, you know, all these kind of terms that it conjured sweet ass, sweet tea, (laughs) sweet grass. I mean, it was just like all these kind of nice feeling things. Yeah. So it kind of just, it stuck. It stuck. When we found it, it just was like, that's what it is. I don't know. It was like, you know, you'd like trying to name a pet or something. You, you just kind of like, how about this? And you start saying it. You're like, no. And it just sweet pass felt right. And I think it's, you know, kind of hilarious that it's our logos, a mountain in a space that has none. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it does right now. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah, it's an amazing place. It's it's really bucolic. It's kind of like a diamond in the rough, uh, especially mm. with all the the gentrification that's happening around. And I read that you all have a two year lease. I don't know when when that's up or when you signed it, but um, I'm wondering it's kind of how you feel. <laughs> yeah, it's I up. think it was yeah. up. Yeah, uh, yeah. I that's mean, the thing that you know we don't love that about this space. It's, there's a certain precarity to it. You yeah. know, that's just sort of the arrangement over there with everybody. It's mm-hmm. like, well, it's it's here for now. You know, and that's. That's what they'll leave it at. And that's, you know, I don't know if we love that, you know, it's hard for us to, to think about long-term plans with that on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's what it is. And I think we kind of, you know, we knew that going into it, but thought, well, you know, we can do what we can do while we have the time and thinking about kind of building some roots, you know, we had just gotten to Dallas using the park as a way to feature artists, but also work with artists, connect with other artists, uh, living and working in Dallas and Texas and beyond. So, uh, you know, if anything, we're like, okay, even if we just have one year or two years, you know, like I think we can still use that time effectively. And, you know, it's especially now with COVID everything, the development I think has kind of slowed down a little bit. So um, we check in every once in a while with our landlord and he's like, you're fine. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think means. Dallas, <laughs> Dallas has that. And, and it's for me, it's like, you know, it's got two airports, it's uh, highways and stuff. And like, it seems like a very transitory place. People come and go here all the time. Mm-hmm. And like we were here because Tamara got this, this teaching position, contract teaching position for two years. And it's like, okay, well, I guess we'll do this for two years. Yeah. And then it got her contract got extended and now it's, who knows, mm-hmm, you know, and like mm-hmm. same thing with the park. It's like, I, I guess this is it for now. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, long-term plans. Yeah. We want to be able to own the space that we occupy, that Sweet Pass occupies. Or like, I guess anybody listening to this, or like a 10 year lease. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Something that feels a little bit more secure, yeah, but yeah. you know, all of the, all of the, the way that we came to Dallas was so fast and quick. It was like, we were just kind of rolling with what we were given um, and trying to kind of squeeze out whatever we could from the opportunities that presented themselves. So, you know, so far so good. Yeah. I think the ephemerality of the the space, the, and the work that you put there and Mm -hmm. it it makes it all uh, that more sweet. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) How has the response been? Um, You know, I think, mixed, but in a, in the best way. I mean, I think what I, what I like about Sweet Pass is, you know, you have people who are kind of accustomed to visiting art spaces or, you know, an art going crowd and they can see the nuance or the kind of the quirky, strange, um, strangeness of it and can appreciate that. And then I think, you know, sometimes 
we'll have people come who've maybe like seen an article in the Dallas Morning News or heard us on Art and Seek. Yeah. And they'll just be like, okay, hello, I'm here. What do I do now? Yeah, we had somebody show up with the paper one time. Like, yeah. is this you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and either way, I think that you're going to come to Sweet Pass and have some sort of experience that is different and, you know, outside your maybe normal ways of viewing what you consider, you know, art viewing. So even if it's not your style, right? Like there are people who come and we can kind of tell they're like, yeah, okay. Bye. You know, but I think even that we've shown them something that is like, here is another way of observing. Here's another way of being in space with objects in a natural setting, you know, that's not a park or not you know, a museum sculpture garden. Um, It's like it's somewhere in between, you know, and I think we like showing that to anyone who wants to come out. I mean, the people that do come out, you do, like we said, it's like you kind of have to find it uh, and find your way back there. And also like, you know, we've had some, you know, nighttime exhibitions and that has changed the people are like very like, what is this? Where yeah, are you yeah, taking yeah. me? What are we doing? Out here? I had this like, you know, 16 yeah. email chain with a lady like I am not comfortable in the dark by myself. Yeah. I had to like walk her through it. I was like, okay, well maybe bring a friend and I'll stand right at the front gates and I will be there to show you, (laughs) you know? So I think too, you know, for some people, this is not strange. It's like, this is an outdoor art space. And for some people it's like so new and different. Yeah. So the, the range of um, response has been kind of, yeah, there's like some types, there's like some archetypes of people that come in the park. There's Mm -hmm. like, you know, your culture or vulture, like they, okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, they'll, might, they'll be excited that you're doing something outdoors and temporary. And then you'll get the people that come in that are like, this is amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. And like, yeah. you know, you have a park, they, they get the idea that like, oh, you're making a park and they, that's cool. And then there's like some people that come in and are like, how are you guys paying for this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, did you buy this? Yeah. It's like, great question. Yeah. <laughs> we have a terrible business model. But buy a we'll, t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a wide range. And I mean, I think both Trey and I do a lot of like tours and we bring students out there. And I mean, I really enjoy that too. Teaching at SMU, I try to always bring my classes out there to show, you know, people who are kind of like these young moldable minds, like here is an example of what this is and what this looks like and how you can kind of craft a platform or venue Um, not only for yourself, but for your peers and other artists that you want to work with. Like, it's not just like get in line to get gallery representation, you know, like there's a way to create something that you want to happen uh, where there's a void. So, you know, I think that, you know, it kind of like we have this, you know, little educational component to Sweet Pass where we like to fold in those ideas of just saying like, hey, here is some another type of example. Yeah. So our friend Sophia kind of talks about it. I think this is her term or she, she read it somewhere, but it's the vacant middle. You know, it's like this zone that doesn't really exist. I mean, in New York, there's plenty of these spaces, right? Like this kind of like artist run sort of alternative, whatever DIY thing, which I don't really love that DIY moniker, but then it's like, you know, you have that or the Nasher, you know what I mean? And like that middle spot because of the history of Dallas, a lot of those other spaces got closed. We didn't know that when we came here, but we like sort of have stepped into that space where we're like that middling space, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I like that spot. <laughs> yeah. Cause I do think it has the sensibility of like, you don't, you can come here. You don't have to necessarily be someone who goes to museums or know what it is you're looking at. And it's fine. Like you can still come here yeah. and see something interesting. And that's, 
if that's all the takeaway is, then that's a success for us. So um, I do think it has an approachability to it because of its location and because of its, you know, like we're not trying to manicure it to some level of, you know, uh, golf course, you know, status or, you know, aesthetic. Yeah. So I think it has a, an approachability to it that, you know, is important. Yeah. And I think especially since the pandemic, you know, with Mm -hmm. museums having been closed, trying to figure out how to feel safe going back Mm -hmm. into galleries and museums, it's, uh, it's tricky. Uh, I read an article in in, uh, the art newspaper and it was a journalist who had been filming uh, some BBC program about art in the British Museum or National Gallery. And they wrote that they got COVID from being in the museum, which I think is absolutely crazy. Uh, And museums are trying to figure out how to do that. But uh, going to actually your opening at mm-hmm. Exova, the gallery next door was the first opening that I attended since the pandemic. And I only felt comfortable there because I'm familiar with that space. And it's one big room with this giant garage door that yeah. was totally open. And then I knew the park was next door. And at that time you had Eric DeLuca's piece. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. um, maybe you could talk about that. And that's an interesting um, uh, kind of relationship that you all created with another. Um, sure. Mm-hmm. The staff of Asclepius. <laughs> mm-hmm. That went up. Yeah. We opened that show very quietly and softly in the beginning of June. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. We had a March show planned and we had a June show planned. We had some big ambitious programming and that, you know, kind of went away. And we had just, all the stuff had arrived. <laughs> like we still have the crates mm-hmm. uh, for this show that's supposed oh. to happen in March. And like we were going to going to do this thing. And it just kind of, we're like, well, like everybody, a great postponing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we, we kind of started to think about like, what can we do? Like, how can we do that? Cause do this space and like people were getting more comfortable when they're learning about this disease or this virus that's like more airborne. It's not like on everything. (laughs) It's not in your clothes and stuff. And, you know, I'd been working with, uh, hundred West because they ran into a similar issue is that like there they have these residents and then they have open studios to show off what the residents have been working on. Well, they can, they couldn't do the open studios. So Kyle Hobrich uh, from 100 West and Corsicana reached out and was like, Hey, would you want to come down here and sort of like spend some time with these residents and like get to know their practices and interview them and make some videos. And I've been thinking about this idea that maybe we could do like a series of interviews and that's kind of where rope Walker came out of and I started just kind of like spending some time with the artists and filming them working in their studios. And when I got to know Eric, he was down in, in hundred West and, and was kind of working with the material of that space. And the site that he was working out of this uh, beautiful old building was a Jewish merchant's shop from the late 1800s into the early uh, you know turn of the century um, kind of era. And he started researching the history of the Jewish population in Corsicana and got interested in the cemetery that was there and then started to make these connections with the migration because there's a kind of incredible Jewish migration story in Texas that I didn't know about. And, um, he started to grab onto the the monarch butterfly, you know, and so looking at this kind of migratory path that they take from Mexico to Canada and they pass through Texas to get there. But the the stuff that they feed upon the the milkweed plant uh, where they lay their eggs and and sort of like use as a way station is kind of been decimated because of infrastructure. 
and, uh, you know, suburbs, <laughs> he started growing this stuff in his studio. And, you know, I was like, this is, this is really cool. And he started kind of telling me about his plans to, to plant this in the Hebrew cemetery. And, you know, him, Kyle and I were started kind of being like, we could do another way station. We could plant some of this stuff at, at Sweet Pass, you know, and, and make that another site and connect it to Dallas and maybe kind of drive some interest. But also just like, I love this, this idea. It's really beautiful. And he was like, immediately on board and started to think about it as more of like a sound installation where he would install this kind of like 80 foot long light strip that kind of demarcated the south and north migration path. And then also uh, he he kind of composed, he's a musician himself and he composed this um, sunrise sunset rendition from Fiddler on the Roof. So that became the staff of Asclepius. Asclepius is a, a Greek god right? Of like health and, and wellness and that symbol of the, that you see on a pharmacy as, um, as he kind of got that image of the strip from that. But then also Slepius is the Latin name for milkweed. So there's like a kind of a weird, huh. like double word thing that he was kind of trying to play with. So that's where this, that's where the title came from. And we installed it at the park and it became this very quiet, <laughs> evening and morning time, although we only did one. We only sunrise. had one. Yeah. Sunrise and sunset piece, right? It would come on, it would light up at sunset and then play for 40 minutes and then go off. And then the sunrise, same thing. Uh, and it became this very like, you know, quiet piece that people could come out to. And we had like, you know, l- less than uh, 10 people at a time. And, uh, you know, people were really grateful when well, they came out to, to f- visit it because people had been locked in their houses or domiciles mm-hmm. for a while and, and like finally had come out and, and like, I don't know, it was weird. Like they were like kind of walking towards us like, hello, yeah. <laughs> hello, you know? And so we just had like all these nice, um, nice openings, uh, like open hours. We never had a formal opening. We just kind of kept it small, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what we started thinking about more about the park. It, it could just be smaller and quieter and, and just project one project, you know, mm-hmm. and like let people come out to feel comfortable. Like you were saying, because people were spooked, but they still wanted to do something because they were trapped inside. So, yeah, I remember when I saw it, I didn't see it at sunrise or sunset because I'm not a sunrise person. <laughs> sunset, the, you know, the, with the summer hours changing and work, I, I just hadn't been able to make it. I saw it during the day and yeah. I was still riveted by it because I could imagine it activating in the light yeah. and the, the sound component. And then I heard that it got vandalized. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause the, was it because the neighbors didn't like waking up to the, it wasn't a neighbor. It was a person who was squatting, uh, and they didn't like being woken up by it. Yeah. Yeah. And they, so they just ripped the cords. They ripped the cords out of the, out of the house and shorted the, the DMX controller, which was it, uh, aggravating. <laughs> yeah. That was a difficult afternoon, uh, to fix it. But, uh, yeah, that was, that, that was, uh, a little drama, <laughs> but yeah, we, we decided maybe we shouldn't. And we, we actually also had some like wine drunk ladies wander down from the apartments, like with their glasses, like, yeah. what is that sound? <laughs> like, like kind of like banging on yeah, the gate. Have, like, Oh, one guy I remember said, I thought you guys were having a seance back here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I think it was just cause the music uh-huh. was like yeah. very drawn, like slow mm-hmm. and drawn out. So it wasn't like yeah. a normal sounding melody. Um, it, and I think it was kind of like, 
drew people in in an interesting way. Yeah, it was like a call. I mean, it felt like a call to prayer, a li- yeah, like yeah. a little bit. And like, I think Eric would be okay with that description of it. It just had like this kind of like subtle kind of droning, like call, you know, and like some people followed mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't, we didn't realize that the sound carried to the apartments, but it did. Yeah. So we, we kind of adapted it to be only on, on Saturdays uh, after, after a couple incidents. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I heard it was neighbors and, and uh, it, it's it's great to now know yeah. the real story. So, you know, squatters, yeah. because that, that's the nature of that neighborhood. That's where you would have yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, squatters. Uh, but, but since then, your your programming has, has kind of shifted. And I think that's related to the pandemic. But um, some of the issues you're tackling is also related to conversations about race and politics in this country. And you had an opening last weekend and I know it's, it's kind of a series uh, of this project that healing pieces. And I'd love for you to talk mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Um, so we were contacted by Clyde Valentine and Sophia Bastidas who um, Clyde is the kind of like lead director of um, an organization called Ignite Arts Dallas, which is kind of under the SMU Meadows school of the arts umbrella and they started this kind of larger programming where they were work, they are um, working with a bunch of different organizations to kind of talk about um, a variety of you know topics like mass incarceration and um, working with the Dawson State Jail, which is kind of right near the Trinity River, uh, close to Sweet Pass. Kind of reimagining what that building could be. Um, and a lot of other kind of, you know, activist groups and, um, social justice organizations. And they came to us and they had this idea to, um, kind of start the healing pieces programming with a group based in Berlin called black power naps. And Trey and I kind of looked at some of their work and we were like, this is, this group is really amazing. And yeah, Navil Acosta and, and, uh, Fanny Sosa Mm -hmm. and like, we watched like they did like this video and it, I don't like just check out their website. Like their, their work is really cool and like refreshing and like talks about the politics of, of rest and like, you know, not working and like the, the stereotypes and all this stuff. They said that they want to make a black power naps park. And I just, yes, yeah, we're like <laughs> no question. Yeah. So we just started kind of working with them to kind of plan out what this would look like and how it would be fabricated and engineered. And, you know, like with most of our installations, you know, Tran and I, we, you know, juggle a lot of jobs, you know, we're, we're organizing, we're communicating with the artists, we're helping fabricate pieces. Cause you know, if we're working with a group um, or an artist who doesn't live in Texas, you know, oftentimes we'll kind of help fabricate the pieces or parts of pieces to kind of save on shipping or, you know, just finding ways to kind of collaborate and, you know, support artists the best way we can, um, with what we have to offer. And that's a lot of the time, just our labor, (laughs) our sweat equity. And, you know, like documentation and, you know, so yeah, we were working pretty close with the Ignite Arts team to put together this exhibition. This is their first kind of outdoor, like kickoff piece of the healing pieces, which is going to be multiple, like a slow reveal of projects over, you know, the next year or so alongside also to a project called project witness, yeah. which is about um, solitary confinement. 
And on the small house that's adjacent to the park, there's a QR code that you can link to on your phone. And it kind of takes you down this like very poetic. Augmented um, reality mm-hmm. animation about um, experiences that people have had while incarcerated. It's it's actually really incredible. You use like a Google lens and you kind of walk up to it and it just triggers and starts. I was like, what? (laughs) I mean, it's perfect for the house because the house, we do a lot of like new media stuff and experimental performances type things. And this, this, these pieces are, are kind of a sleeper because you have to let people know it's there. Um, so I encourage you to go check them out because they're very cool. But Sophia has been like a long time collaborator. Mm-hmm. She was kind of there from the beginning. She's like the, v- the vice president on our, of our nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, we've collaborated with her a lot. She actually also curated um, the uh, staff of the Slepius piece too. The Black Power Naps, they kind of gave us some ideas like we want hammocks that are uh, tie-dyed and we want grass mounds that people can lay and, and sleep on. We're like, okay. So mm-hmm. we had to do that again in 24 days because yeah. <laughs> that was like the, it was just, that was the, that was just a timeline. Mm-hmm. So we had to like figure out how to engineer these mounds, get the dirt there, cover them up, get the grass seed down because that's very, that was very important. We were kind of worried about the grass not coming in. And then also, and then uh, it came in like a shag carpet. I mean, yeah. it came in. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And you had all like, that rain, oh. like right before the opening. I think it was yeah. like two days before the opening. People were like, the grass yeah. is amazing. Yeah. It looks fake. It really yeah, does. It, doesn't, yeah. it looks crazy. Yeah. But I think too, the, the whole process of working with, um, black power naps and ignite arts. I mean, it was just like such good energy. I don't know. I think that good energy got put into the grass. Yeah. I think that's why the grass grew so well. We were also singing to the grass. Trey was singing. Yeah. (laughs) Grow, grow, grow. I forget the song, but Trey's kind of a plant whisperer. I just think if you talk to it, they do better, you know, just really, and and like singing is even better, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I totally agree. I inherited a a brown thumb from my mom who's got a black thumb. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel you there. Yeah. I I think, I think my, my pitch isn't that great. I think that's why my, my snake plant died, but, Mm. um, no, but black power naps behind it is pretty serious. I'm just looking, I found the, the quote from the press release. I think it says that, uh, quote, it also looks at historical records documenting the deliberate fragmentation of restorative sleep patterns to subjugate enslaved people. Serious stuff. Yeah. I mean, oh, and, yeah. I, and I think that's what Black Power Naps does so well. You know, they kind of embed this really intense kind of historical cultural experience of black and brown people into their work in a way that's like you can come to it and like have access to it. You know, like you come into the park and you think, oh, wow, look, grass and hammocks and this is cool. But the underbelly of it is, you know, a site for like really rich, intense, complex, layered histories, you know, and I think having both kind of activated at the same time, a place where you can come close to that and even lay down on that context and history uh, is a really powerful thing. Um, There's a sound piece in it and mm-hmm. uh, that kind of is, is, is the kind of a, a mission statement essay type piece that kind of talks about the stuff. And one of the things that Sophia pointed out was that like, they say that you are everything like you are every, all the things that have been created was because of you. Like you're a black or Brown person and that should make you feel powerful. You know, and it's, it's super beautiful. I mean, I really touched by it, but, um, I, the, the, the piece, like, I like that you were saying is like, it's, uh, it's 
what I like about it is that it is radical and it's welcoming too. It's like, come and lay down and think about how fucked up this is, yeah, you know? And like, yeah. it's, it's just has these multiple entry points that I, I really, really like. Um, so we're happy to have it. Yeah. 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 And it works well in the space with the neighborhood and, yeah, exactly. um, you know, David Jeremiah, the artist who's yeah. <laughs> a stone's throw from, yeah. uh, from the space. It, yeah. It's, uh, it's really amazing. And all the work that went into creating those mounds. I, I remember attending an opening of Alicia Eggert's students. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a light. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember walking through the mounds and I was like, is this part of the piece? I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. this is really cool. It's like land art. I was yeah. like, man, yeah, they're doing yeah. some really cool stuff. And I was like, wow, I don't know how they put this here. This is a lot of dirt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We had, I mean, you know, it's, October is a really always a crazy time, yeah. September, yeah. October, because I don't know, the Art Walk West is always happening. And mm. then, you know, that show that we do with Alicia Eggert's, um, light-based installation class. We've done it two years in a row now and it's always super fun. We love doing it, but it was like, kind of like we had a lot of things overlapping at once. And so. it's funny because that's, that's like coming up, like, you know, every, we have all these layers on top of each other. Now we've only been there for like two years, but like, you know, when we were like digging the mounds, we're finding baseballs from the baseball mm-hmm. show. There's like still the Asif Mian piece was still up while we were digging the mounds. And like Brandon Kennedy did a performance during the baseball show where he planted a tree, a, like a sweet olive tree. And we've just left that. And so it's just funny, like now all these things kind of like have tangled mm-hmm. up together and they're just kind of bleed one into the other. Well, we're kind of making our own sedimentary to really confuse archaeologists. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I was like, maybe, you know, hopefully the park will never be developed, but if it is developed, maybe we'll be able to take like a, the stratigraphy or the, like take a, you know, a a core sample, sample, core sample. And you can have, you know, these are all the shows. This is our catalog, you know, of exhibitions. Yeah. Uh, You could sell it to, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Another big project you're working on is Aurora, uh, the Aurora Biennial. It's their 10th year anniversary. It's a kind of a Dallas based sound show that happens. It originally was kind of a one night thing downtown. And it's always with curators, uh, from kind of around the world and, um, the people who've put it on. Um, the Kings have really done a great job doing that. And I'd love for you to talk about that experience and, and, and that project. Yeah, we, you know, it's been a crazy process because it was set to open in November. Yeah. Um, and we were, had started planning, you know, we got asked to be the associate curators working with Noam Segal, which is, um, she's a curator based in New York. And so we were on board and kind of set to. When did that happen? February? Yeah. 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 January, February. Yeah. We, they it was like eight months on. out yeah. before and we were like, all right, we're going to do it. And again, in the same structure of one night event, light, um, sound, video, technology-based, big, huge downtown footprint. 50,000 people come out to mm-hmm. it. Like crazy numbers. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know, like a stadium full of people yeah. come out to this event. And, you know, we start planning this stuff. We're like playing catch up because we we got in a little bit late, but they wanted to have some people on the ground uh, because Noam is based in New York and uh, a lot of the people are coming from overseas. And so they wanted to have, bring on some associate curators to kind of help with, the, you know, the index of the, of the local, like to, to, to know things and to know people, uh, but also just to do some like uh, logistics or whatever. And then covid happens and then the great postponing happens and then like we don't even know if this project's going to happen and th- we go round and round and round about what we're going to do obviously you can't have this 50,000 person event anymore 
And so they kind of landed on this idea that we're going, they're going to do the, the biennial, uh, <laughs> uh, and extend it over 18 months. Um, and it would just be like a series of projects rather than one night. It would be, uh, you know, uh, episodic, yeah. um, but still speaking to a, a common theme. So things got reeled in yeah. and reeled back and tucked away and Budgets, reconfigured. Yeah. And, uh, so now it's going to be kind of kicking off, um, in a week. The first artist is going to be, what? Um, I know, I know it's crazy. <laughs> like, well, I'm saying this and like, it's November. I think, yeah, yeah we're, it's yeah. November. Yeah. Um, and uh, the first artist is Marina Rosenfeld, and she's going to have this really beautiful sound piece inside of a parking garage downtown. So, you know, we've just been kind of, sh we shifted from this like big, huge one night thing into like a longer, um, like Trey said, more episodic project. Um, yeah, Noam said uh, decentralized biennial, which I thought was mm -hmm. kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I, I think a lot of people are dealing with this. Like, how do we do things that we did before, like, you know, how do a biennials happen? How yeah. do art fairs happen? How do, how do just openings happen in general? And this is what they landed on. And, um, you know, we've been, we've been supporting it. It's been, it's been wild. Yeah. It's been like intense. Uh, well, and I think most institutions are kind of going through yeah. this weird thing. It's like, you don't know what to do. You don't yeah. know how to create some sort of nude. I mean, we, I, I feel like we're also kind of feeling that way with teaching too. It's like, okay, invent a new model yeah. mm -hmm. in six months, ready to go, mm -hmm. you know? And it's just like, no models are going to be good. They're just going to be kind of like an adjusted version of what we know how to do, you know? And maybe in two, three, five years, like the zoom sculpture class or the zoom biennial will be figured out. But you know, all these kind of knee jerk quick, figure it out. How do we do it? You know, it's like, it's just hard for, you know, I think everyone. But the Marina Rosenfeld piece is called uh salute, like a mm -hmm. double S salute. And I think it's pretty elegant, like solution for this is a car based sound piece. And you drive up this, uh, parking garage that's downtown and you hit the 10th floor mm -hmm. and, uh, a, a trumpet player sort of announces your entrance and then you kind of pass through this deconstructed, uh, salute. It's about 16 audio channels and you have your car windows down. It's like, you know, this big, powerful sort of blast. Like you, you would feel like somebody blowing a trumpet and then this trumpet keeps reverberating and it's sort of being like mapped and remapped and augmented. And then you sort of pass up through the bell of the parking garage and exit into the air and then you're up, up on top of the, up on top of this parking garage and you have a panoramic view of downtown and there's the, uh, I am pay, uh, tower right in front of you. It's pretty cool. Um, we're excited to, to have it here. And Marina, Marina Rosenfeld, if you don't know her work is she's a kind of an experimental composer and sculptor and installation artist. And she's done a lot of really cool things that deal with sort of fragmentation and, and, um, uh, sort of re-augmenting re sound. And she had this really cool piece that Tam and I both loved is a all female electric guitar uh, orchestra. And they put them down on the ground and there's like 20. The guitars. The guitars. Yeah. <laughs> the women. <laughs> no, and everyone's kind of sits on the ground with their guitars and they play them with um, nail polish bottles. And so it's just kind of like this weird, like, like droney sort of like wall of sound. Um, 
which I thought was really cool. But uh, yeah, she's she's awesome. Cool. Have and, you tested it yet? Do you know what it's going to sound like? Yeah, we have uh, we have some some tests, but like the real test <laughs> come in a couple of, yeah. come in a couple of days. Yeah, but we have like uh, you know they've they've kind of spatially mapped the stuff and experimented with it, and we've heard, and it's very very cool, and um, I think it'll be rather unique, um, and not like glitz and glam. It's like a sonic sort of like blast, you know, like you're, it's like using not your, it's not retinal. It's a totally unretinal piece. It's like that sort of like uh auditory thing that I don't think many people have ever like had that many things happen for their ears, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is cool. Should we bring earplugs? No, 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 no. you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. yeah, I'm really excited. I got my ticket because you told me to. Oh, good, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's it's it sounds really exciting. This is this kind of this new model, this new uncharted mm-hmm. territory we're going into, and you all are kind of ahead of the curve already having uh, Sweet Pass and have executed a lot of uh, outdoor. Um, well, I got to plug a project that we did two years ago. It's called it. Away a Message, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we had a sound. We 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 do this every year. This will be our third year coming up where we, when we're during the cold months, like in December, we do a radio broadcast at the gates of the park and we commission sound works, uh, to be played that you can tune in through your car radio. And like, you know, we just did this as a, as a way to like fill the gap because we're like, no one wants to be outside in December and January. So we'll just have this like sound piece outside of the gates so we could have something, you know, cause we, it was like right after we started and then we did it the next year and then all of a sudden it's totally rough. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're excited. We're working with a really great artist, Ezekwe. Yeah. Um, based in New York and uh, he's curating our away message this year. So that'll be up in December. Yeah. Ezekwe Muhammad. So I think it's funny. You all just, uh, you, you really dedicated to this. You all just came from the park actually. And there's a, yes. I don't know if there's a little dirt under your fingernails. <laughs> oh, right definitely. Now, but, uh, oh, but, always. uh, but I want to talk about goo. Oh yes. Your newest project. It's <laughs> yeah. really, uh, it's pretty sexy. Thank you. Goo is sexy. Well, this was, um, so I was, you know, moved back to Texas and was kind of had this time to kind of re, negotiate my relationship to the South, my relationship to Texas, you know, I'm closer to my family, you know, Trey and I, you know, we both had new jobs. We got a puppy. We were living in a house. I mean, I hadn't, I haven't lived in a house since I lived in my parents' house, you know? So it was like all these new feelings and emotions and senses that um, were exciting and uncomfortable and unique and fun and scary and weird. And, Um, and for me, I was like thinking about this, these kinds of like amorphous feelings as being very gooey and being something that shifted minute to minute, day to day, and kind of translating that to the work that I was making in the studio, which was also very gooey. A lot of the materials that I work with are, you know, silicone rubber, um, that's used for special effects or, you know, resins, slow cast resins or epoxy putties, um, you know, variety of different, you know, types of goos. And um, I started making this piece that was a column that was a stack of deviled eggs being kind of pierced or penetrated by um, pickled okra. 
And for me, it was like this moment of connection um, where that pickled okra kind of like pierced into the gooey yolk of the deviled egg. And for me, I mean, I had done this like at, I think we, you know, cause these two items are things we always have at family gatherings. And I was sitting there with my sister, like, I don't know, Super Bowl or something. And I just put a okra in the deviled egg and I was like, oh, like that's, there's something to that, that just kind of like buzzed um, in my head. And I was like, this is a sculpture, but this is also like, you know, it's like this weird kind of male female thing, but it's also like super kind of like goofy and like pseudo sexual. And, but it's also like really, um, you know, beautiful. And if I could like freeze that moment, you know, that gooey moment. And so I made this column, which was kind of also a take on Brancusi's endless column, which is a very famous, um, sculpture. And, you know, I was just thinking a lot about the goo and I was thinking about this moment where the goo becomes active or the goo becomes like a sensory kind of like feeling. And, um, you know, along this time, Trey and I had, um, been working with Wasaic projects, which is a organization up in New York. They were applying for an NEA grant at the time and they had chosen three different groups of artists to work with, um, to make proposals for projects. And we had come up with, a project, uh, which, you know, because of COVID shifted like 800 times and they got the NEA grant. We all got a grant and, uh, Trey and I were like, well, what, what can we do? We're not going to be able to get up there now to kind of do our original idea. And Trey was like, well, we should just, you know, do your philosophy of goo and make a video. And so I started doing some research and trying to kind of like combine these ideas of like not only the materials that I was using in my sculptures, but also this kind of more autobiographical uh, sense of goo and what that meant to me. But then finding in other places, you know, uh, and, you know, the like etymology of the word, uh, politics, pop culture, film, uh, nature videos. um, Cameron made this like like brief cut of it was about like six or seven clips Mm -hmm. of like goo moments in like early childhood films that she like just kept resonating and bouncing around in her head. And I I, I like saw it. I was like, uh, this is awesome. (laughs) Like we could do, we could do so much with this. Like let's, let's make this a a full fledged video. Like this Mm -hmm. is an essay. I know it. I, you know, we just started working at it Mm -hmm. and, we took us down to Waco and like we documented her, her aunt and her sister. And, um, we just started watching all these B movies and started like finding, finding goo and thinking about goo and writing about the goo. And And it, yeah. So (laughs) it ended up, that was, you know, kind of in conjunction with the column that I was making in the show that the column went into at Exovo. Um, you know, Trey and I during quarantine got to kind of really develop and flesh out this video idea, which is also in the show at Exovo. But now tomorrow, tomorrow is Halloween, um, will be debuted, uh, projected on the side of a large building in Wasaic. Um, they have this beautiful old mill. And so, and then I think they will screen it, um, in the spring once the weather gets a little bit nicer. Yeah. And so that was, you know, um, a way for us to you know, for me to kind of like complete this, you know, kind of very initial idea uh, and video that I had made into like a more finished 
video, but then also an opportunity for Trey and I to work together in a way that we really haven't before. I mean, we work together with the park, but we're always kind of like fabricating or working with other artists yeah. ideas. And we made some videos. We, I mean, this came about cause we started, we made the dump cake video. Oh yeah. You know, and that, that was like, you know, Tam had like a, like she was just, she had like an existential tailspin after the show got canceled. <laughs> well, and, it was again, postponed. It was yeah. going to open in April and yeah. then I was like. Postponed, I'm sorry. And we, so we were, we were like, what can we do? And then <laughs> um, Allison was like, well, I can, you know, maybe we can share a dump cake recipe because you just finished the dump cake and it was like. Scul- nobody, a sculpture, sculpture of a dump cake, yeah. like splat onto a wall. So we just made like a, a regular old how-to video mm-hmm. with a little bit of Tamara flair and we you know, she like hand drew all the labels for the, the rest for the products that she used in her recipe. Yeah, it's hilarious. Well, I'll, I'll have to <laughs> share it for sure. It's really funny. Yeah. So that, that started and we were like, that was kind of cool. Like we, what else could we collab on? Um, so we did the uh, philosophy of goo. Mm-hmm. Check it, it out. Yeah. 13 minutes of goo. Yes. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's, it's got, you know, like I said, it, it's maybe the most autobiographical thing I've ever made. Um, and Trey really encouraged me to kind of incorporate some personal anecdotes in with the research that I had done, but it spans from things that are very personal and maybe uncomfortable, uh, but it's layered with a lot of visual candy. Um, so there's a lot of like, really, I mean, and it kind of shows maybe my age because some of those clips are like very like nineties Nickelodeon. Um, but also to, you know, I really wanted to kind of just maximize this visual um, variation of what goo is and like when it's good and when it's bad and when it's inside the body and when it's outside the body and when it's alien and when it's familiar and you know when it heals you and when it harms you and like you know and also too it's just like 2020 is the year of goo I mean we have to be so fluid and viscous there's no planning. You can't like hold on to an idea uh, for a, an, a, an extended amount of time anymore. So I was also thinking like if there's a like a metaphor for this goo to be the way to function, you know, to let precarity or flexibility just be like the foundation of something, which, you know, doesn't make sense really. But it's like what we have to do now Um and so I'm really proud of it. I feel, yeah, yeah. I've watched it like so many times now and I still enjoy it. Each time. <laughs> but I think also too, that's because I'm, I, you know, we had Alison Cleon who uh, is the director of Exovo. She narrates it and she has a very beautiful narration. She voice. does. Yeah. She does. Yeah. Getting gooey. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to shift to the lightning round. Okay. Ooh. These are just okay. quick questions, <laughs> short answers. Okay. Uh, so we'll start with you ladies okay. first. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Uh, night owl. Night owl. Yeah, night owl. Yeah. Coffee or tea? Coffee, 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 coffee. 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 Yeah, same. <laughs> Talking or texting? Talking. Texting. Facebook or Instagram? Instagram. Instagram. What's yeah. the last book you read? Um. Well, I just started a really new one called Contested Waters, which is about the history of swimming pools. Ooh. Um. And I started it a while back. So it feels like it's, it's the last thing I read and the most current thing I've read. So yeah, I'm trying to think about what's the last thing I read. 
I mean, I read like a, a really boring programming book for class, but then I also uh, just read this, uh, the, the new conservation movement, um, which is about like neo conservation movements in, in the U S and abroad, which is really good with land or. Yeah. Well, like they kind of are, I mean, the best thing I took from the book is that like, so we talk about the Anthropocene, right. And like, that's blaming people that had nothing to do with this. Right. So why not call it the capitalist scene? Right. Because it's really capitalism that has caused these conditions. So they're like kind of like renaming things. But then also I learned about this whole movement where it's like the, there's people that want to give two thirds or 50% of the earth back to the earth and say, we will live on one side and let the other thing do the other side do its thing. Um, so they just kind of like talk about the politics of these sort of positions in the book. Um, which is good. Oh, that's really interesting. What's your first memory in a museum? Oh, I remember my mom taking me to the Fort Worth Modern and going inside that Richard Sarah and thinking is weird and cool. <laughs> I mean, I was maybe like 15, 16. Yeah. I remember that was a high museum and they have like a spiral ramp that goes down. And I was just thinking the whole time, like I should bring my skateboard in here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they would like that. I don't think yeah. they would either. What do you collect? Um, recipes. Camera equipment. <laughs> so many camera components. <laughs> if you weren't making art or running Sweet Pass, what mm-hmm. would you be doing? Ooh, I'd be either a um, dermatologist or a lawyer or commercial real estate. <laughs> I could maybe still do all of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably be like an uh, engineer or industrial designer, I think. So collaboration is a lot about kind of your programming and your practice and what you all do, whether it's together or with, uh, with groups locally or abroad. Who would you like to collaborate with Sweet Pass or bring to Sweet Pass that you haven't gotten yet or, or, or just a, a, a dream collaboration? Mm, that's a great question. Well, we only show emerging and mid-career artists, so <laughs> I don't know. I really, I I have like a um, a passion for contemporary dance, and I really admire the um, choreographer and dancer Miguel Gutierrez. I'd love to have him uh, in the park. I also really like David Brooks's work. He's an incredible sculptor based in New York. And then, you know, I mean, if Robert Gober wants to put one of his buried sinks in the park, <laughs> you know. Sculpture Ranch. I'm never going to say no to yeah, that. Yeah, buried sinks. Architect. Or to do some sort of like dedicated new media space or something like DDA Fustino or something. Like just to do something big and permanent. Like permanent. Cool. Yeah. 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 That's that's when you when you uh, when you buy the. We buy the spot. Yeah, we need a yeah, we need a yeah endowment. <laughs> yeah. If you could own any that. work of art, like you could steal it, no, or you'd get away <laughs> with it. What would it be? Um, probably, and I think this is at the Philadelphia Museum where they have all of Duchamp's piece. Mm-hmm. But he made this little. It's called the Wedge of Chastity, mm. and it's um like this pink plastic resin with a big kind of wedge of lead and it looks like, you know, a beautiful vagina. And it was kind of like a, a large part of when I was working on my thesis at RISD, a very influential piece to me, the materiality of it, um, the kind of like silliness and funniness of it. 
Um, and it's, you know, it's like paperweight size. So I think I could actually steal it and get away with it. Yeah. Walk that out of that the whole room is the, the Duchamp room uh, is crazy. It's got so the little, good. Little keyhole. Yes. I remember in art history, there was one of our professors, she showed us the, the door. Yeah. And she said, you look into the keyhole and there's an insulation in there, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Yeah. And it wasn't until like 10 years later that I, <laughs> I made it to Philadelphia and saw it. And you I could love Google that. It, but there's no fun in that. The, the grease of like all the people who have looked through the, mm-hmm. the hole on the, the top bellies. There's like a Mohali Naj painting that he ordered from a sign painter over the phone and like dictated by via grid that I've always really loved that I would like to have. Cool. Where yeah. is it? It's at the MoMA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's the best piece of advice you can give to artists? Do it yourself. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I mean, make your own opportunities happen for yourself. Cause it gets to be the fatigue of applying for things and waiting for people to tell you that you can do stuff. I don't know when that became the protocol for being an artist, but just, turn the other direction and, you know, create your own opportunities. Yeah. Don't wait for validation. Yeah. 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 I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm sort of in that similar thing. If like the advice to artists is, yeah, make your, make the, make your own path by walking in or whatever that cliche is. Yeah. 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 Don't worry about what other people are going to yeah. think about your work and, and just do it. But like create, like, but, but bigger than that, like some in the line of sweet pass is like, create the thing that you want to, the space that you want to exhibit in, like get together with some people and make it and then just show yourselves, you know, mm-hmm. I, cause I don't know. I feel like that's just like the way now, you know? Mm-hmm. And what about someone who wants to open up a kind of a non-traditional sculpture park? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. What, what advice would you give them? <laughs> Come to Dallas. <laughs> Come to Dallas. There you go. Right. Yeah. There's room. Yeah. There's room. I think your, your fundraising model, that's also kind of a, a key component of the survival or the future of, uh, of the park. And yeah. I think my favorite fundraising uh, object that I've, I've seen is the Armut. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Sure. That kind of relates to the Duchamp room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, Duchamp lover over here, but, you know, I think... For Trey and I, it was, it was this question of like, how are we going to make a uh, sweet pass sustainable? You know, it, w- it wasn't like we had set aside a bunch of money to start well, hold this. Hold on. Let's, we, let's rewind a little bit. Oh. This piece came about because from our, a very early yes. interaction that we had. So in 2013, Tamara curated me into a show, but then I got exhibition at SCAD, my alma mater. They invited me to come back and I made a book project called Prototypes where I reached out to artists and said, like, give me like all your like kind of new ideas, like the stuff they haven't quite resolved yet. And Tamara put in that, the little wandering yard, the wandering yard, the sod car, like she put some drawings in there. And then I just had for fun put in uh, like just dumb ideas that I'd have because I have a, a thousand dumb ideas every day. They're and, good ideas. And They're one good. of them was this, dog bowl that was the our mutt on the ground for and like golden retriever was drinking out of i made like a really bad collage and that was just like an advertisement in between everybody's project it's on our it's on the our mutt website yeah I think. this original thing yeah and so when tamara and i started dating and you know getting more serious i was like remember that thing and like she'd never seen the final book and i showed her a pdf of it and um she was like what is that and i was like oh this is this dumb dog bowl idea i had <laughs> 
She's like, uh, hold on a second. And she like bought our Well, this is, I'm <laughs> yeah. like the first, if there, anything ever is a good name or title or an idea, I just go straight to GoDaddy and see if the domain is available. Yeah. I, and I'm really impulsive with domains too. Ourmutt.com yeah. was available. Yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean, I think we could sell it for like a couple thousand dollars, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, none of my other domains are that you know, like cool. But so it was, and I, I saw the domain and I bought it and I was like, we're making these, we're making these. Yeah. Well, you know, I said, I said that and then realized the process of like, you know, I mean, just watch, you can watch at the, um, the Kohler art center where, you know, they make toilets. The process for making urinals and toilets is super complicated. And I mean, I do mold making my, in my work, but mold making and ceramics is a whole other ball game. You have to do a plaster mold. So the water gets absorbed into the plaster. I mean, even before that though, we were making prototypes of it to go back to the book. We were trying to make different versions of it and we, you had modeled one and we're like, oh, well, we just have to find a food safe plastic. We can cast this in. Can't do it. doesn't <laughs> exist. Yeah. Like you can't buy it as an individual. You have to buy it like in a bulk industrial thing. And then like, there's all these sort of like rules and we, you know, I, people are weird about their dogs. So we weren't going to use like a non-food safe plastic. Yeah. I mean, not weird about our dogs. I wouldn't give yeah, my dog we're a like, non- You're leaving water sitting in this. Yeah. You're leaching out. Whatever. So it was like, it has to be ceramic. So it's a 12 part plaster mold. Yeah. yeah. I hand make every one. It takes me start to finish. Probably each one is, I don't know, anywhere from like. Don't give them the sauce. Okay, don't give them the fine. Sauce. They're hard to make. <laughs> but you make it. I didn't but realize I make, that you made it yourself. I make it yeah. by wow. hand. I've, I'm actually wow. making a little small batch right now in the studio. Yeah. And so it took about a year to get that first one made. And we were doing it in New York. And then when we came down here, we were like, well, we'll sell these and we'll just let the proceeds go directly to Sweet Pass. Yeah. And I wish, you know, on some, in some cases, I'm like, I wish I could just make dog bowls all day. I do enjoy it. Yeah. Even though it's ceramics has a, you know, it's, you know, you put it in the kiln and it explodes and the glaze, glaze doesn't turn right. And it's a little bit like you don't have a lot of control. I think we should tell the Nasher story. It's not as easy as goo. Yeah. No, God. I think we should tell the Nasher story about how they got into the Nasher store. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. kind of the first ones we sold. Yeah, that's true. So we had this bowl, this bowl, this prototype. We kind of made a, have we even made the website at that point? It was just like a, the first one. Uh, Anyways, yeah. we were shopping it. We like brought it to a lunch that we had <laughs> like with Lee Arnold, uh, one of the curators at the National. We're like, hey, how do we sell this in your I, store? I like had it in my Trader yeah, Joe's like bag. Just, was, and to be clear, it's a replica of Duchamp's yeah. urinal yes. fountain. Yes. Yeah. So our mutt from our, 1917. Yeah. yeah. And ours is yeah. our mutt. O-U-R. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A play on it. And but, so to bring that to lunch, that's. Yeah. 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 It's I pretty funny. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we uh, were like, Lee, how do we sell this in the museum store? And she was like, Oh, okay. Um, maybe you should go talk to Donald who like, who runs the Nasher store. And we showed it to him and he was just like this gregarious, like businessman, like, well, what's your retail? Like, yeah, yeah, just like started like going like, I think this is a, this is a runner. I think this is going to be a big thing. And like, I was like, we want, I want to sell it. I want to help you out. I want to do all this thing. We can get some press for it. He was like, so enthusiastic. And we were like, (laughs) like, we didn't quite expect that reaction And he was like, I want to do it. Let's do a couple of, we'll put them in the store. We'll see what happens or whatever. And then, you know, we get that there. He puts it on the website 
And then we find out he got hit by a passed away. Passed away. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really tragic accident. Yeah. I was working on a project with him right before COVID hit. And then, um, we hadn't talked in a while and then, yeah. Yeah. I mean, awful. So sad. Yeah. Really, really sad. I mean, he was an amazing guy. He was, I was really lucky to, to just get to meet him. Yeah. Yeah, Like kind of like, um, like a brightness. He had like a brightness that just not a lot of people have. Crazy. Uh, but you know, he was so encouraging and kind. And I think that kind of helped us say like, okay, well let's try some other places. Let's see where we can put this. Him telling us that this was like something and like, it's going to be big and like all that stuff, like his pep talk encouraged us to like take it seriously and actually get him out into the world. Mm -hmm. And we didn't even find out that we had sold one until Mm -hmm. like we got a call from the Nasher and they were like, Hey, um, so somebody bought an hour mutt bowl off the website. Like, what is that? Do you know anything about this? (laughs) We're like, Oh, (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah. So then they started. Mm -hmm. So now you can buy them on our website and we also have them on hyperallergic, the hyperallergic store, Yeah, which has been pretty cool. We've sold quite a few from there Yeah, and we just kind of make them as they, as we sell them. So yeah, it's, you know, just another part-time job that (laughs) we have. (laughs) But that's the water bowl. Where's the, what's the dog food bowl? And you're in with your dog. What, what what receptacle, what vessel do you put the food? This is a good question. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's got like 15 Aramut bowls all over the house. Yeah. He's, he's spoiled. He gets all the the, the tests, but you can put food in it too. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can can buy two and have one for (laughs) food and one for water. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to, uh, I can't wait to purchase one, but I feel like I need a dog first, but I know I don't need you know, a dog first. Get the I can put bowl. my keys in it, right? Yeah. You know? Get yeah. the bowl and the dogs will just appear. I, I think so. I think yeah. so. So my final question I ask everyone is that there's no crystal ball, but if I give you a magic wand, what's your wish for the art world? That the the blue chip market collapses. <laughs> that was something I wish. Yeah. I think just, uh, I mean, not like a hard reset, but like kind of back to this idea of when things didn't have a hierarchy of rules and protocols and structures to like be able to do things. You know, I'm thinking of like Soho in the eighties and apartment shows in New York and you know, the early nineties and things where it was not about art fairs and it was not about, um, you know, these like high level ways of selling your work or having that be, you know, the main goal. I don't know. Oh, how about this permanent funding for temporary projects? Yes. Quoted by one of my mentors, Patty Phillips, because that's where the good stuff happens. I mean, when, when things are ephemeral and temporary and they have the most support, I mean, those are magical moments, things that are meant to last forever. I mean, they're kind of doomed before they even start, I think. Yeah. I was just reading an article about the budget for the police that have to protect the monuments in New York. Oh yeah. Like this insane amount of money to have cops like four at a time standing outside of a wow. Columbus monument Columbus and like, circle, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. just like the amount of money required for that and like what that could do for the community. And it's this kind of insane protection of what, I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't quite understand, but they, but New York is very, has like touted this with like, um, sort of pride that they haven't had, they haven't lost a monument during this whole. Yeah. <laughs> Except the, the one in front of the AMNH, the American Museum of Natural History, the Teddy Roosevelt monument. Oh, uh, did yeah, they got yeah. removed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But not by protesters uh, or, or maybe. I think that was the reason for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, I was just reading yeah. this last night. I was like, what? This is crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel really strongly about that. I want to get involved in public art and, and monuments because I think we need to remove them and replace them with something. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're a perfect site for public art. And when they removed the the double equestrian portrait of Robert E. Lee mm-hmm. uh, here in Dallas, which is a very visible monument. I mean, you drive by it, uh, you know, very affluent neighborhood. And it was, they took it down in the middle of the night, in the dark of night, mm-hmm. a week after, maybe less than a week after Charlottesville because yeah. they were anticipating, yeah, yeah. you know, problems. And I mean... I don't know, kudos to them for doing it. But then when they removed the pedestal, that was what made me really upset because I thought that would be a perfect, yeah, no trace. I mean, I thought that that would be and will be, and and I'm going to work on that (laughs) when I, when I find the time to to start a career in public art, uh, you know, is to figure out, you know, who are our new heroes. Dallas is the fastest growing metropolitan city in the U S and it's still happening. And, and the demographics of that neighborhood are changing and the demographics of Dallas are changing. And Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, people are so afraid. People are afraid of like what it feels like to change or to be open to new ideas. You know? Yeah. Maybe I would take away the fear with my magic wand. There we go. There we go. Yeah. And, (laughs) and, and by the way, we're recording this the day before Halloween, which is the super, the super moon. We're supposed to have the orange moon. It's yeah. like the hocus yes. pocus one. And then uh, on Tuesday, uh, the election. Happens. I know. And then, <laughs> then the end of the world really begins. I know. I made uh, an appointment for my dog oh to God. go to the vet. And they were like, how about Tuesday? And I looked and it was like election day. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, like vertigo zoom. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I made an appointment for something the day after. And then I looked at that and I was like, yeah, we got to cancel. Yeah, We're yeah. clear that day. I'm going to yeah. therapy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be in right. the park in our right. hammocks. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. All right, cool. I'll join you. That'll be yes. fun. Thank you guys so much for joining yeah, me today. Well, thanks yeah, for having me. It's been so much fun. Yeah. 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 Thanks so much for listening to our season finale. Recording our Traverted could have only happened during the pandemic. I'm fortunate that this time has been one of creation. It has been such a privilege and I'm so grateful to everyone that took the time to speak with me. It's given me and hopefully everyone listening hope for the future and the essential role that art plays in our lives. Please subscribe, review, and send your feedback. It's been heartening to hear from many of you how you've enjoyed these 15 episodes and I can't wait to be back with season two in the spring. Remember, when it comes to art, it doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted because you can always be our Thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon.